2: throwing in zone spectacular catch They're saying it's a catch touchdown
1: you see most gamblers when they go to gamble they go to win oh my god that's incredible big bank
3: small bank i like to make money all right
4: that is the ultimate kibosh you want to bet <laughs> <laughs> and we are underway Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Gilles Gallant. I'm joined by Evan Abrams each and every week. He is our research director here at the Action Network and my partner in crime as we do these podcasts. We're going to dive into all of the Sunday NFL action for week seven. Brandon Anderson will have his hot reads later in the show for week eight. And Patrick Everson from Vegas Insider, he'll give us an update on the sportsbooks of Vegas and how they fared this NFL Sunday. But before we dive into Sunday action, Evan, let's look at Monday Night Football. 49ers Vikings, Niners at six and a half point road favorites, over under at 44. I'll be honest, I was looking at this game a lot from more of a touchdown prop and interception prop standpoint. But the more that I dive into it, Evan, I really do kind of like the Vikings in this side. Sure. And again, I sound crazy even saying that out loud, (laughs) especially because of how the Niners are this season. But a lot of injuries for the Niners coming into this game. You know, Christian McCaffrey, he's going to play, but, you know, backups like Jordan Mason and Eli Mitchell, they're going to get some work. So uh, it's going to have to be a full team effort. Uh, And every game that the Vikings play comes down to one score. You know that it's going to come down to like this last kind of drive. You know, even if they're trailing in the fourth quarter, we've seen them come back, push the ball. So I kind of like the Vikings on this side. What are you thinking for a side total in this game?
3: Uh, So I got a bunch of stuff here. Uh, I kind of like the first quarter Vikings. I think they could start out hot You maybe get a lead. Uh, Purdy's been kind of a different quarterback on the road. So I believe I got there like 150, 160. I thought that was interesting. Uh, I'm always giving out a touchdown or two. I think Brandon Powell and Osborne are probably the two guys I would look at from the Minnesota side. Uh, I've seen Powell as high as like 30 to one for first touchdown, which could be a good flyer. Uh, and I think the thing that everyone will talk about when you bring up this game is just the history with uh, Kirk Cousins and Monday night football. Uh, yeah. Two and 10, I believe is the number uh, in his career. Uh, so, I mean, not great. He started 40 um, primetime games, which is, you know, high profile. So night playoffs overseas, Saturday, et cetera, 15 and 25 against the spread. So, not so hot, but I think this is a decent spot. And you know, on that turf in Minnesota, you know, San Francisco could be a bit of a different team. Uh, the stat that's a little scary: uh, can Cousins pull the upset as an underdog of four points or more? He's seven and twenty-four straight up. So maybe not the full game upset, but we'll see how it goes.
4: Yeah, I, I don't think I'm ready to commit to a, a Vikings win. <laughs> it, yeah, it really, anything any, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I think just where we're at at the number, and I think with the Niners being more of a public team, maybe you might see a seven pop up, and then obviously you want to jump on the Vikings immediately, but at a six and a half, you know, I could understand the reservations. I still think, though, getting the Vikings with points at home, the way that they pass, you know, how much Kirk Cousins has been blitzed this year and still having success (laughs) throwing, that... That's kind of why I I like them to keep this game close, but I can't really commit to like an over or under for a total, but uh, from a prop standpoint, really like Brock Purdy interception in this game. It's around plus 165. It's got a really high bad ball rate Vikings. They blitz the most in the NFL. Uh, And according to uh, Nick Giffen and our predictive analytics team, you know that Sean Kerner and Billy Ward. Uh, Brock Purdy is one of the luckiest quarterbacks in the NFL based on his bad ball rate and the fact that he only has one interception this year. So uh, I think that this is a spot where he could definitely throw an interception in this spot, especially around plus 165. But for a touchdown prop, I think you just got to look at Brandon Ayuk and Ronnie Bell. You want to look at the outside wide receivers for the Vikings because they do play a lot of man coverage. Outside receivers, those are the ones that can typically can convert on a defense like this. And if the Vikings somehow get a lead, you know, I going to be on the field for that chance to be able to maybe tie it up. And for the Viking side, I think the same thing. You want to look at KJ Osborne. He's playing over 90% of snaps since uh, Justin Jefferson is out. Uh, he's over plus 300. So it's between him and Jordan Addison as who's wide receiver one right now in that offense. So the fact that you're able to get at least a wide receiver two, who's playing over 90% of snaps over plus 300. I know the Niners defense is pretty tough, but again, you know, Kirk Cousins is going to throw Probably forty times in this game, right? So so I, I think the I think it's a safe bet to look at passing touchdowns for the Vikings. All right, Evan, let's look now at Sunday night football and let's just talk about what happened here this Sunday. So six teams on by this week. We've got the Panthers, Bengals, Cowboys, Texans, Jets, and Titans all on by this week. And home teams eight and four and nine and three against the spread. But Evan, please expand on this more. Totals seven and five to the under again this week.
3: Yeah, we actually thought we were going to get an over week. Uh, over goes one and zero oh on Thursday night football. Yeah, we did. Over goes four and two in the early window. So overs start five and two and then four and zero oh unders in the late afternoon. And then Sunday night football, you know, Eagles just sit on the ball at the end there, stays under the total. So unders now seven and five this week. And the significance there is just this crazy stack kind of continues, which is. The last 25 regular season weeks, uh, that's dating back to week one of last season, there have only been Mm -hmm. three weeks where there have been more overs than unders. So three overs, 15 unders, and seven pushes. So we continue to see a small edge, at least this week, but unders continue to roll.
4: The Dolphins-Eagles, I think, is... uh where I want to pivot to here because the Eagles win 31 to 17. The total does go under um, really slow first quarter, uh, only three point or six <laughs> points rather between the two second quarter. We did see 21 points, but the Eagles do cover as three point home favorites with a nice bounce back game uh, after losing to the jets last week. But like you said, 52 and a half does go under. And I, I kind of laughed there at the end because I feel like Nick Seriani kind of said, F you over ticket. Like he, <laughs> they had first and eight with two minutes to go, and they kneel it out, as they should. But at the same time, they could have easily just went for it just to really ensure what was going on here, kind of like like what we saw from Sean McVay in week two when he kicked that last-second field goal, and clearly that was not going to win the game. But the refs, man, were out of control in this game. I'm just going to say it. Ten penalties for the Dolphins, and the Eagles have none. And probably the most egregious one is that Cedric Wilson that non-call, the face mask penalty, like the fact that that was the non-call I thought was probably more important than the actual 10 to zip for the uh, penalties here is just a total hack job uh, by the referees in this game uh, against the Dolphins, even though I do feel like this is what we've been saying about the Eagles for a few weeks now, Evan. The Eagles play to their competition. Like when it's the bigger games, they're going to show up. The weaker teams, they tend to just kind of take their foot off the gas. You know, the commanders, they couldn't even put up seven points today. They scored 30 on them a few weeks ago, right? So uh, I think that's kind of what I take away from this game is that the Eagles, when it's against the big teams, you know that they're going to probably play well. But against the weaker teams, I think you could probably take advantage of them and maybe even take a lot of the team's underdog ATS.
3: Yeah, so much to say. Uh, Let's start with your last point there, which I agree with. Dolphins, I believe, 0-2 against teams above 500, 5-0 against teams below 500. So mm-hmm. they are fi- finding themselves in a very similar scenario where they can't beat the best. Uh, and here's the interesting one, right? The 10 penalties to zero. So only the third time in the last 30 years. Only the third time in the last 30, uh, 30 years you've had a team 10 or more penalties versus a team who had zero. So you don't see that discrepancy. Every day. Uh, and to me, it's Jalen Hurts. It's crazy. 21-3-1. and 19-6 against the spread first half. So, uh, Simon Hunter's been all over this. He's been betting it. But mm-hmm. they're just a great first half team. I'll say it again. 21-3-1 and one straight up. Uh, both uh, best marks in the NFL straight up and against the spread. Uh, so, just great there. And then, anytime touchdown bettors. It feels like it's kind of free money. But Tyreek, now touchdown in six of the last seven games. Hertz five of the last six, eight of the last ten with a touchdown. So it feels like every time those two guys play, they're vital in, t- uh, in the offense. So uh, And here's one that you're going to love. I'm sure you're going to have a comment here. So eight interceptions now for Jalen Hurts. Yes. Uh, now tied with Jimmy Garoppolo for the most in the NFL. Hurts was 66-1 to to lead the category for the full season. Obviously a long way to go, but that is a fun ticket. And Any thoughts there, Jill?
4: well it's hilarious that you bring that up because <laughs> i i talk about the plus money quarterbacks aspect of this all the time and right now because he's been plus money every week this year he is the most <laughs> profitable quarterback int prop going right now and that was some of the story of this game more hurts turnovers a fumble in the first quarter you know a pick six in the third quarter outside of those two mistakes though I, i'll be honest i Dolphins didn't do much. You could tell they missed Jalen Waddle. Like when they were entering the fourth quarter, Tyreek had 13 targets. Nobody else had more than two targets going into the fourth quarter. There was clearly a mandate to feed Tyreek here. And I I give credit to Mike McDaniel for realizing, okay, we're not going to have Waddle, but you got to change it up, man. Like that was part of what led to that late turnover. And I would just say going forward for the Dolphins, Dallas Goddard, pretty solid today. And that just keeps reaffirming that the Dolphins continue to struggle versus tight ends. So now they're playing uh, the Patriots coming up. Hunter Henry touchdown could be a pretty solid look next week. I mean, he scored in week two on them, right? So uh, yeah. I, I think that's where I'd be looking right now, uh, just looking at that. But uh, yeah, what I, my main takeaway is that the Eagles play to their competition and the Dolphins just maybe are still a tier below, despite their offense being pretty superior against... of the NFL.
3: Eagles walked in with a 5% sack percentage, opponent sack percentage. So basically, you know, really good defense ends up sacking a lot of quarterbacks. So into his career, he started 17, now 18 road games. He is three and eight when that defense has over 3% sack percentage and five and two when it's 3% or less. So pressure tends to be an issue and, uh, you know, turned out that way tonight. So let's talk about those paths. Let's do it.
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bills, Pats. Uh, what a fun game this is, uh, just because you Nightmare. get to watch the Bills get <laughs> dropped down a notch, but also at the same time, it, you, it's not enough for you as a, somebody who has been on the Patriots to fall this year, where all of a sudden now it's completely changed because they're only two and five in the standings. But yes, Bills, Patriots, Patriots win 29 to 25. Bills lose outright as. Road favorites of seven and a half. Uh, We'll talk about that more in a second. And the over under at 41 total does go over. I think one of the surprising stats, uh, you you compile a lot of data for our team here at Action Network. And one of the stats that you had was about how Mac Jones was 0-14 straight up when opponents scored more than 24 points in his career. And the Bills scored 25 today, and he still comes out with a win. And Evan, I want you to explain just how historic this big spread in New England was, because we don't see this very often. Yeah, so two just fun numbers. Uh, We'll
3: talk about the bet percentage first. So New England walked into this game today which is 23% of the tickets, according to Action Network, Action Lab's. Uh, only tw- 23% of tickets at home. So that would be their second lowest bet game in the last 20 years behind just Brady's return to New England. Uh, and of course, you even look at Belichick, right? Third biggest three games, right? Eight and a half, mm-hmm. seven and a half, or higher. Home underdog. He's covered all of them. Uh, so tends to be a decent spot. And now, obviously, without Brady, those numbers have looked awful when he's an underdog, but showed up today. Uh, you know, I had Buffalo, some Buffalo first half money that went out the window. They just looked awful, uh, awful all around. Uh, and then next week, next week, New, uh, New England gets Miami. So maybe a get right spot. I mean, both teams, you know, find themselves again where Miami is off a loss, New England off a win. And that line is now 11, 11 and a half, which would be uh, New England's biggest underdogs since Super Bowl 36.
4: Which is a fun this one this was supposed to this was supposed to be the get right spot though for Buffalo, right? Like you oh, know yeah. what I mean like this th- like the 149 game that, with the Giants, the loss to the to the Jaguars the week before, the next question I have to ask you Evan, are the bills broken? Like they're usually good for one dead a year, you know, like a, a Jacksonville sure. game where the, the, the opposite Josh Allen all of a sudden goes nuts on them. but now this is three games in a row where they just don't look right.
3: I mean, they scored 25 points. I mean, it could, you know, could have been worse. I I think their defense have shown some issues, right? I mean, with White's injury, Milano's injury hasn't been hasn't been like super great lately. So, I mean, I think on that side, there's probably a worry. Um, I mean, I I think let me look at it right now. Oh yeah, so their pass defense 8.6 yards per attempt to Mac, no interceptions since Tua in Week Four. So, I think you know, you know, listen josh allen never gonna have a clean sheet the guy hasn't had back-to-back games on no, turnovers no. since like 2020 <laughs> so it's just that that's just not the player he is but i i will say this so it looks like yards per attempt from buffalo's offense 6.1 today 5.6 last week which is obviously awful but it was nine in uh london that's yards per play so two bad mm-hmm. games in a row um And then if you look ahead on the schedule, Buffalo plays Tampa Bay now at home short week. So, you know, nothing better than short rest, get the uh, losses out the window and another opportunity against Tampa's defense. But for sure.
4: Yeah. And and I think what we saw today, too, Evan, is Bills, they, they couldn't really get those big splash plays over the top. I know yes. Diggs ended up scoring that wild touchdown, but that was more, I feel like that was a broken play instead of just those plays over the top to Gabe Davis or, you know, uh, James Cook running for an 85-yard touchdown. They, they didn't have a, a play or a completion that was over 30 yards today. And that's usually one of their things about bread and butter, especially the run game. I mean, the pass, they got up by 12 with seven minutes to go. and that And I know that you were saying, like, they put up 25, but – They didn't really show that urgency until there was seven minutes to go. And then they scored those two touchdowns. Right. So I think, I think it's good to know that the bills can turn it on when they need to, but I think somebody needs to remind them that maybe we need to turn it on in the second quarter and maybe not late in the fourth quarter. (laughs) Uh, And and I think that also I did find it kind of poetic that Mike Gusecki scored the game winning touchdown (laughs) because last year against the bills, with the Dolphins and the Bills hadn't allowed a touchdown to a tight end all year. And Nick Giffen and I go on the touchdown show and say, do not take Mike Gusecki at plus 600. This is bad <laughs> odds. And he scores a touchdown on this Bills defense and then scores what would have been uh, the, the game winning touchdown. Over well, Gusecki might so. score
3: against uh, the Dolphins next week. Back to back, you know, revenge game perfect
4: him and Hunter Oh, the the revenge game angle is definitely there especially because he was involved in week two but I still like Hunter Henry as well (laughs) I think both of them are in play in that game all right let's move on to another barn burner today one of those games Evan that honestly if somebody asked you what game do you think is going to have the most points scored today (laughs) this probably would have been my last pick Browns Colts Browns win 39 to 38 um yeah, it's just unbelievable, you know, that, that the Browns uh do end up winning the game, but do not cover as uh, three and a half point favorites. Uh the total, as I was mentioning, because you see a 39 to 38 score, the total was at 40 and a half. <laughs> so it, it just to me that Crazy. was unbelievable that we were able to see so many points between uh really backup quarterbacks. I mean, I know Deshaun Watson did start the game, but he only played one series. Um, Brown's now two and thirteen against the spread after their last fifteen games. After a straight up win, so one of those things about consistency with this team—they're not really yeah. being able to get stuff going consistently. Um, but yeah, sixty-one points entering the fourth quarter. There were four <laughs> fourth quarter lead changes. Um, you know, the, one of the things that I found really interesting, Evan, too, is this Browns defense. And you know, they—they they rightfully so—they've been touted. Uh, as the best defense in the NFL, because they'd only allowed a total of three touchdowns all season coming into this game. And then the Colts score three touchdowns in the first half, three rushing touchdowns for the game. Gardner Minshew, we got the whole Gardner Minshew game in here. We got some deep passes to Michael Pittman. We got two rushing touchdowns. He got strip sack twice. He had an interception and Miles Garrett was everywhere. Uh, for me, the biggest takeaway is the Browns, uh, I think they surprisingly, their defense did play well in this game despite giving up 38 points.
3: Yeah, just an odd box score because you wouldn't even look at it and say Cleveland's defense played awful, but yet there was 70 points put up in the game. So to hit off one of your points, Stefanski, uh, Brown's head coach, so now 10 and 18 against a spread after a straight up win that would be 134th of 142 head coaches the last 20 years. Oh so God. just cannot find himself a winning streak. Uh, tough look there. I think if you watch this game, you said to yourself, Oh my God, Miles Garrett, probably four or five, six times uh, looking at the odds, which I think is kind of fascinating. He is, it's him co-favorite with my, uh, with Michael Parsons, defensive player of the year with TJ Watt at plus two thirty right behind him. So, Again, every week, those three players just kind of going back and forth. But the fun yeah. stat with Garrett today, two sacks, two forced fumbles, blocked field goal. First player yes. since 1991 to do that. Uh, just he's a freak. It's every single week. Uh, just and, and in terms of, we talked about this last week, the yards given up by Cleveland's defense. Uh, 1,000 yards through five games, they gave up 456 today. Um, and here's the fun stat. So Minshew threw for three Oh five against them today. 300 passing yards last two years against the Browns would be Zappy Flacco and Minshew. So not the best quarterbacks that find them way into those games, but yeah, just a crazy game overall. Just lots of, lots of oddities. Uh, and then I think the thing that you really get from Minshew is like the full game experience, right? And you talked about it, but it tends, he tends to not win these types of games. So spread four or less, which we would call a toss-up game, he's three and 10 straight up in his career. So if I had to guess, he tends to lose by threes, fours, five, sixes, just high scoring games. And there ends up being, you know, multiple turnovers. Uh, and here's a crazy one. So when Minchu's opponent, Scores more than 20 points. He's one in 15 straight up.
4: So, the only thing that I would just push back on, and I mean, they're trends. I can't really push back yeah. too much on them. But at the same time, I feel like Minshew won this goddamn game, man. I've got a real Fair. beef with how this game ended. And my beef, so again, with the refs, man, PJ Walker should have been strip sacked to end this game. The yeah. course, Buckner got the strip sack. There's a total bullshit bailout call, man, for illegal <laughs> defense. Gives the Browns first and goal. And then it's another DPI to Donovan Peoples-Jones. It was clearly an uncatchable ball. Like, I want – look, I get it. We all want the Browns to be good. We all want them to come back and be just relevant again. But come on. Like, and if you had Colts money this, like – You're 100% Like, condolences, man. Absolutely
3: ridiculous. (laughs) I just – the way – every time I – and it's just so funny because it seems like when I watched Anthony Richardson games – it was just a lot more calm. There was like sanity involved in a lot yeah. of those games. And now with Minchu, it's just something about his style and his attitude. It just, his games are chaos. And to have a Cleveland game where there was 70 points, that just, you just don't have that. So this was probably one of the wild ones today.
4: For sure. All right, Evan, more memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, our friends at Ticketmaster have got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com NFL. The Action Network podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming, terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now it's time for the hot read from our own Brandon Anderson. Brandon, what do you have us looking at for early week eight
2: lines? All right, let's do a little week eight hot read bit of a tough streak here. We're getting CLV, but not getting our picks across. So let's get a win on the board. Let's go back to a just win baby teaser to get our week started out. I'm going to take the Ravens minus eight at the Cardinals and the Lions minus seven and a half against the Raiders home on Monday night football. So both teams tease them under a field goal. Ravens demolished the lines. We're taking both teams here, but you don't need, I don't need to sell you on the Ravens. They obviously just had one of the best wins of the season, in my opinion. Cardinals, their bubble burst like a month ago. They got that win against Dallas. We decided that, oh, the Cardinals are kind of frisky now. And then right about then, they kind of regressed back to bottom five. Pretty much everything, as we expected. The offense, it's gotten worse each week. Their defense was second to worst in DVOA entering the weekend, and Baltimore basically just played a perfect game from Lamar Jackson in the offense. Todd Munkin, I think, finally got his top performance he's been looking for. I think the Ravens can kind of do anything they want against the Cardinals' defense, should be able to run it up and at least win by a field goal for us. And then the Lions, look, they got crushed here, but it was a bad spot. Jared Goff outdoors, on the road, in the wind. Missing a lot of guys. I'm kind of new going in. That's not a great spot for him. Here we are home Monday night. The Lions are a different animal at home. This is only their second time even hosting Monday Night Football since 2014. So this is a spot where a Dean Campbell sort of team, they're going to come out with pride. They're going to come out and show that the, today what we saw was a fluke. So I think they take care of the Raiders who, frankly... I don't know how this team has won three games. They got embarrassed by the Bears today, thirty to twelve to the Bears. The Chicago Bears they had two hundred and thirty-five yards in this game. You lose to Agent Division Two debut as a rookie. You allow three touchdowns to Dante Foreman. I mean, that's embarrassing. So these are these teams both got embarrassed. But I'm not going to be too thrown off by the Lions. They were my number one team in the power rankings. They have proven themselves throughout the season. I'm not going to let one week throw us off the scent. The Raiders just aren't very good. They are not a three-win team, despite what the win-loss record says. They're a lot more like the team that just kind of got embarrassed by the Bears. So, give me the Lions. Give me the Ravens. I would not be surprised if either or both of these teams get 2-9. Uh, teaser protection, really, to stop us from doing what we're doing right now. So, let's tease them. Ravens minus 2. Lions minus 1.5. Just win, baby. Why right, a field goal. Other hot read for Week 8. Let's go to Seattle. And give me the Seahawks, minus two and a half against the Browns. I think that one possibly could get to the key number. I want to grab it below the three. What goofy, goofy game for the Browns on Sunday. RIP to our hot read under 41. Both teams just about cleared that, so that did not work out for us. I don't know how Cleveland scored 39, though. Deshaun Watson is terrible. He's apparently back, but he completed one pass on the five attempts. He throws an in interception. He goes out with an injury that's not an injury that kind of looks like you just got benched. You're getting benched this, like, mega contract for P.J. Walker, who continues to be uh, not great. <laughs> like He had two turnovers in more incompletions than completions. And this historic Browns defense we've been talking about all year, I don't know what happened. They allowed nine plays to the Colts of 17 plays or more. And the Colts aren't really even an explosive offense. And they're playing with a backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew. Miles Garrett effectively single-handedly wins the game for the Browns, generally like half their points. Hopefully doesn't do that against Seattle. It is a bit of a risk here, but I think that we need to pay attention to the other side of the ball. We're going to get a lot of talk about Browns defense, Seattle offense. It's a fun matchup. The other side is where the bet is. Seattle's defense, actually in the last three weeks, they are number one in EPA per play ahead of Cleveland. And they had another really good performance against the Cardinals today. Seattle wins by double digits despite three turnovers to none, a deficit for them. They have an interception at the one-yard line. They have to settle for a field goal at the one-yard line. This was a dominant defensive performance, and Seattle should have won by a lot more. I think the offense holds up as long as the line protects them, but it's the defense that's the mismatch. Seattle is number one in run DVOA defense. That's Cleveland's identity. That's the one thing the Browns want to try to do. So if Seattle takes that away, uh-oh, now it's Deshaun Watson or P.J. Walker. I don't know who it is. I don't know if Cleveland has a quarterback, but it's got to be one of them. Seattle really is better than the numbers have looked so far. They're falling short in the red zone and on third down. Historically, those things tend to even out over the season, and the Browns' defense has been elite at those items. Maybe we get some regression in our favor both ways on this one. Give me Seattle minus two and a half. It was one and a half Sunday morning. I think we could hit the key number as we start to panic a bit about the Browns quarterback situation. So hot breeds for week eight. Seahawks minus two and a half against the Browns. And then our just win baby teaser. Ravens minus eight at the Cardinals. Lions minus seven and a half. Monday night football against the Raiders. Back to you guys. Thank you, Brandon. And now let's talk Chargers
4: Chiefs. Chiefs win and cover as five and a half point home favorites over the Chargers. But again, another under hits, uh, 49 and a half. Uh, Taylor's in the house. Taylor Swift uh, in the game. She seems to be at every home game now. Um, And I feel like Travis Kelsey, he knew Taylor Swift was in the house, too, because he had 142 receiving yards in the first half. He scored a touchdown. Uh, Again, uh, for me, I, I, I expected to be a little more excited from this game. Honestly, I feel like I was just pretty let down by the Chargers offense. It's kind
3: of sad. Like, I had money on the Chargers in this game. I had the six. They were down seven for what felt like three quarters. You felt like the cover was coming about four or five times. And then it just felt like the Thanos meme. It was just like the Chiefs are inevitable. and it just <laughs> <The> Inevitable. <laughs> it's just honestly insane. And I'll throw some Chiefs stats out in a second. But the one thing that caught my eye, just looking at updated MVP odds, uh, Mahomes plus two sixty favorite. Next is Tua four to one, Hurts five to one, Lamar seven to one. So those are your new top four. But Mahomes again atop the leaderboard. Uh, and the thing that's been getting me, and uh, let me see if I have these. Yeah, Chiefs uh, covered like five of the like last six games. Uh, they've been like really good at covering lately. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of teams, a lot of people who naturally believe, you know, big favorites, this and that. They've been covering some numbers, and I think it has a lot to do with their defense. Their defense looked a lot better today. Now I know there's a lot you can blame on Herbert, but when Kansas City is playing this type of defense, and just like Philly was, they're okay, like sitting on it at the end of games and just getting out the door. Uh, and when I tell you, Mahomes' home unders, 12 and three in his last 15.
4: I kind of understood what happened in this game because the fact, like at halftime, dude, we had 41 points. Imagine <laughs> betting the over 41 uh, points between these two teams. And then you lose, you know, like the fact that we just needed one more score, you figured this was going to just keep going forever, you know, and then yeah. you don't see another score until three and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. <laughs> you know, it just it's to just me, like, that was unbelievable.
3: And just a few other stats that just kind of blow me away in this scenario, Mahomes now 17 and zero straight up at home against under 500 teams. So when he's supposed to win, they're in arrowhead. Always tends to happen uh and then Herbert, we talked about this. I believe they were shut out in the second half, unbelievable couldn't yep. get a point herbert now sixteen thirty seven and five you heard it sixteen thirty seven and five against a second half spread in his career, one, four, and one this season six six and ten last year, five and twelve the year before you know three four years down the line it's not just you know happenstance it's a, it's a pattern so. It's a a decent
4: sample now. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing too, that I would say, Evan is um, like that chief secondary in their pass defense. You alluded to it. They were incredible today. Like they really shut down Keenan Allen after all Mm -hmm. the games that he's been having over the last few weeks. They only allowed 11 passing first downs by the chargers. They average around 18 per game. Most of that was in the first half, like eight of those 11 first downs were in the first half. So uh, in the second half, you're right on point. The chargers could get nothing going. And really you have to give credit to that chief secondary and really their defense as a whole. Definitely. Uh, so lions, Ravens, let's move on to that game. Now this one was kind of a snoozer depending on your POV, but, uh, Ravens went 38 to six. One of the few overs we do get, uh, with the 43 total, just barely getting over the total there, uh, with, uh, the Ravens covering very easily as three and a half point favorites. Uh, Lamar Jackson against the NFC is pretty much free money at this point. 16 and one straight up versus the NFC. And he's got the Cardinals next week.
3: He's at Arizona. Uh, and then he's facing Seattle. So back to back to back NFC games. So maybe they can uh, keep extending that streak. Uh, this was just, you know, everybody all week who were like, Baltimore's the right side. Baltimore's the right side. Goth mm-hmm. outdoors all the wind, you just he's you know, he turns into a different quarterback. I get it. Like the crazy thing is this, and you know, I I gamble with my eyes, I use numbers. It's like what I see is what I see. And I see he's just a completely different quarterback outdoors than he is inside the dome, especially now in Detroit. But it's crazy if you look at the numbers. So Goff is actually twenty three, seventeen and one straight up on the road outdoors. And and He's even five five and one straight up in uh, outdoor sub forty degrees, so it's about a five hundred proposition either way. I think it's just the fact that he's twenty eight and fourteen indoors, eighteen and six against the spread last two seasons, both ATS numbers. It's just he's a different player in that situation. And today the churches look completely outplayed, like on multiple levels. I think you had said four straight drives. You know, Baltimore covers the first quarter, first half. It was just just a blowout, and Detroit couldn't get anything going.
4: Yeah, you alluded to that Ravens' first quarter spread result. The Ravens have now outscored opponents 55-6 to six Crazy. through seven games. It's incredible. So just keep that in mind for Ravens' first quarter spreads. But the Jared Goff thing, I want to expand on that a little bit more because since the start of last year and really since the middle of last year where the Lions have almost been anointed as this up-and-coming team, I think it just we could buckle it down right down to home and away splits as much as it's more inside-outside because when he's at home, the, we see the spread. He's the most profitable quarterback at home over the, uh, probably in the last few years. But same thing, his stats reflect that too. 30 touchdowns to 10 interceptions since the start of last year at home. But then you look at his road splits, and it's about 10 to 10. It's about one touchdown for every interception. His completion percentage drops. His yardage drops. It's not something that we're just making up out of the blue. This is something that is really happening, and I think we kind of got lost in track of that because of the game that they had against uh, the Packers uh, earlier this season. But uh, Lamar, you alluded to it as well, just with MVP odds. He looked like MVP today. Like first half, 17 for 21 from the field, three touchdowns. He ran for a touchdown, you know, uh, (laughs) and the Lions – they look DOA. Like, they, they were out of it immediately. Mental mistakes. It really what this game reminded me of is Cowboys 49ers from a couple of weeks ago when Good Cowboys ball. just laid a dud and the 49ers were pretty much just on top of them immediately.
3: To me, that's interesting. Ravens 9.1 yards per play today against the Detroit. That is the highest in franchise history. Couldn't find another game. where Baltimore had that high. So, one of the best offensive days you've ever seen in Baltimore. And I think a lot of people might look at Detroit as a bounce back next week. So at home, mm-hmm. Monday night football against the Raiders, where I don't think we know, you know, the Raiders quarterback situation yet. It could be Coyer, it could be Garoppolo. But interesting thing is Goff eight and twelve and one straight up after a loss with Detroit. So hasn't been just that simple. So we'll see.
4: All right now Falcons Buccaneers. This one we won't take too much time on, but again, I really just want to talk about how awful Desmond Ritter is as a quarterback, even though the Falcons do win 16-13 to 13 and win on the road. Bucks do not cover as home favorites, as two-and-a-half point home favorites with the over-under at 37-and-a-half. Desmond Ritter, man, I'm going to talk a little bit more about his stats in a second, but from an ATS POV, 4-0 against the spread versus NFC South in his career, 0-7 against the spread against any other team. <laughs> This is, like, such an
3: impossible game to watch if you had money on either side. No team wanted to win. No quarterback no one wanted to win. And, the you know, the winner of the game led the uh, NFC South. So it was just very infuriating. I think I'd probably prefer Baker Mayfield than I do Desmond, Desmond Ritter right now. I think Mayfield always going to not feel good
4: to say have- it out loud, though, does it?
3: Yeah, it's just like... And the thing is, when you look at that, the rest of that division, those are probably your best teams. Like we just saw Derek Carr fall apart again. Carolina hasn't had a win yet. It's just you're going to find one of these teams in the playoffs. Atlanta seems to have the best pieces, but a quarterback that can't stop fumbling over
4: himself. And so, I mean, the best piece yeah. is they, they won't even let Bijan Robinson on the field. Like, I mean, I know that it turned wrong, out that yeah. he was it's sick. Yeah. Yeah. What was he sick? Th- that to me is a big story from this game because he was not on the injury report. There were no mentions of him being injured or anything That's like that. Right. And then we're sitting there in the first half and like, okay, where's Bijan? Tyler Algier is getting all the carries. <laughs> Cordell Robert, uh, Patterson, rather, is coming in here. And I just was getting really confused. They did clarify later on. But again, why are you spending such high picks on Bijan and Kyle Pitts? And uh, just those kinds of picks like that is really what sets a franchise back if you're not going to use them. And then you have Desmond Ritter who is in scoring position and gets strip sacked twice. Two Falcons touchdowns called back and overturned at the goal line. It's like you, you alluded to this. It's awful football to watch and it's even worse to bet on. (laughs) So, uh, you know, the, to me, I, I don't really want to talk too much more about the Falcons <laughs> bucks So please end it for me so we can move on to the next game.
3: Yeah, I, I'm good. Aside from the fact that Atlanta plays Tennessee next week, Tennessee coming off a bye. I, I have no idea what to make of that game. I think it's a pick'em for a reason. Uh, and Tampa Bay and Buffalo Thursday night football. I think that's a lot of points. I mean, maybe Baker can cover this. It's like seven
4: and a half right now. Look ahead was 10. So. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the way that Baker's been throwing the ball, I mean, he still was able to complete a touchdown to Mike Evans, uh, who's probably the best wide receiver he's ever played with in his career. So yeah. they still look like they have a connection. They might be able to exploit that on that Bill's secondary. All right, Cardinals Seahawks. Seahawks win 20-10. to 10. Uh, They do cover as nine and a half point favorites, even though their star wide receiver DK Metcalf did get ruled out just before kickoff, did not move the line at all. I don't think it needed to, Uh, but the over-under was at 44 and a half. The total did go under, but this feisty Cardinals team, man, they're always in the game. Uh, Seahawks up 17 to 10. They look like they're about to go up 24 to 10 and then you see this Geno interception in the red zone, plus 180 interception, by the way. Thank you for that. And then a Geno fumble in the fourth quarter. But the Cardinals get three turnovers, and they only get three points out of it. To me, that was the story of the game. And they gave up that late field goal to give the Seahawks the cover.
3: Yeah, just a frustrating game if you had Seattle. they're just It just never should have been this close. Geno made multiple mistakes, and it just was sloppy overall. Arizona hasn't looked the same over the last few weeks. You know, I believe they started three and0 against the spread, and since then just can't find any anything on offense. Uh, here's a fun nugget I looked up. So Cardinals won the turnover battle three-0 in this game, and they were nine point underdogs. So <laughs> teams as seven point underdogs or higher, who <laughs> were plus three or better in the turnover battle. were 165, six and three. Against the spread uh, in the wild card era since 1990, so this loss from Arizona's point of view is just you need to put need to figure out a way to get some points on the board. You got three lucky balls uh, on your side, didn't turn over the ball, and you still couldn't muster it. So, just a just a brutal game.
4: And now the Seahawks coming up there, two and a half point favorites hosting Cleveland. We don't know whether or not Deshaun Watson's going to play. Probably not. Probably going to be PJ Walker. Would be shocked to see if that line stays at two and a half. Might go up to three, three and a half, depending on the quarterback situation for Cleveland. Uh, Steelers Rams, nice little outright win by the Steelers on the road. They win twenty-four to seventeen with the Rams being three-point home favorites. The total does go under a forty-four. I mean, Pickett finally looked impressive in an NFL game. I the preseason that doesn't count. Like this is an actual NFL game. He actually looked impressive, and this is a very convincing. Fourth quarter drive, it was 17-17 tie. Drove them down the field for a touchdown. But really, the story for me, and maybe I'm just, as a jaded Cowboys fan, I'm glad the Rams got to have the full Brett Maher experience. So (laughs) two missed field goals, missed extra point. It's pretty much the difference in the score. It pretty much, once he missed that extra point where they were going to go up uh, 10-3, and then he missed the extra point, I knew it was going to be a bad day for him. And now the Steelers, though, Something to keep in mind if you're ever seeing them maybe trailing at half. They've been down in multiple first halves this season have come back to win. So games that they weren't favored in either, like the Browns, Ravens, and the Rams game now, where they've been trailing at half and come back to win. But T.J. Watt, we talked about Miles Garrett in that Browns game. T.J. Watt with an unreal interception to set up a Steelers touchdown. But uh, I think another story that was really a big takeaway for me from this game was and it's been ongoing is how the Rams have really no home field advantage when they're playing a very popular team. It really felt like it was a home game for the Steelers. Like when Jalen Warren scored that touchdown, you would have thought it was Heinz Field with that loud cheer.
3: And the thing that's funny was, is that you give Tomlin like certain things on the road. Like here's a fun stat I looked up before we came on. So Pickett's only thrown one interception in his last six road games just really hard to beat tomlin when not turning over the ball playing decent defense you know maher is kicking it all over the place like you're giving him free points they're gonna probably find a way uh and then everyone's favorite dog stats so tomlin now 47 45 straight up 57 31 and four against a spread as an underdog in his career uh and then matt stafford he just figured out a way again this morning on convince me I gave out this stat and it ended up actually coming through. So Rams led 9-3 at the half and ended up losing 24-17. So Stafford now is 31 56 and 2 against a second half spread when leaving when leading. He's lost 9 straight regular season games in this spot. So oh just absolutely brutal. They they just and he's about 500 across the board second half ATS uh when he's trailing. But for some reason Can't come up with the offense. And and here, it was a mess. Uh, They had multiple opportunities to kind of lock it away. Yep. And uh, Pittsburgh found a way in the end. Uh, The fun one here is also road unders. Uh, In these games, good defense. And they just figure out a way to go right under it. Uh, 80-59-1 for Tomlin. Road unders. Best of any coach. Wow. 55-25-1 last decade. Wow. Uh, Just wild stuff. And and the the thing you're going to hear about all week, again... It's just the wild numbers from Puka. Puka Nakua.
4: Yeah, Puka oh, Nakua, man. Wild. I I think the main thing that I would take away from that is the Rams to me might have overtaken the Steelers as the best team with eye with like an eye on wide receiver talent late in the draft. Sure. Cooper Cup was a third, fourth round pick. Puka Nakua, same thing. He looks like a top five wide receiver right now. Clearly was picking up the slack because they completely shut down Cooper Cup, two catches for 29 yards. He had nine catches for like 150 yards. <laughs> Just looked incredible uh, with the rookie out of BYU. All right, we've got a few games left. Let's run through these quick. Raiders-Bears, Bears went 30-12, one of the few overs of the day. And the Raiders lose as road favorites, as two-and-a-half-point favorites, because honestly, I was shocked, Devin. Brian Hoyer hadn't been a road favorite since 2014 with the Browns. <laughs> And all I could think to myself is, imagine making Brian Hoyer a road favorite in 2023. Like, what league is this? So I think McDaniels is probably going to get fired soon. Aiden O'Connell comes in. Raiders immediately score a touchdown. He's all cagey in the post-game press conference about how this isn't preseason anymore. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is expected next week. But uh, another takeaway, too, Tyson Bajan. They said on the broadcast that he won the the Division II Heisman Trophy <laughs> from, from, out of his school, but he looked pretty good. Justin Fields, he might be out of a job, you know, as the season goes, but at the same time, they've got a lot invested in Justin Fields, but it's good to know that Tyson Bajic could come in and look like a competent quarterback. Uh, Commanders-Giants, Giants went 14-7, to 7. total goes under of 37, but the uh, Commanders lose outright as three-point favorites. Giants are now 8-2 against the spread in their last 10 games versus the Commanders. And, uh, yeah, the Sam, Ho- Sam Howell, uh the sack numbers, Evan, please elaborate. You tweeted about this earlier. It is getting out of control.
3: Yeah, I believe right now he has 40 sacks. Uh, he had six today, and he is three oh. off pace uh, through seven games. And it's, you know, every time you see this list, it's David Carr, Sam Howell, David Carr. So 2005-2002 with the Texans. But six sacks today against a Giants team who doesn't get pressure. Oh, boy.
4: The Giants come into this game, they only had five sacks for the season. Well, they had five sacks in the first half. Like, that's how oh. crappy right now this commander's offensive line is. Uh, yeah, let's wrap this up, though. Packers, Broncos, probably the snoozer of the day. Broncos win 19-17. to uh, but the Packers do lose as one-point favorites. This game flipped back and forth between Packers and Broncos all week go, uh, going through zero. But uh, the uh, under hits at 45. I'll be honest with you, Evan. I feel like Kevin Harlan tr- was trying to make this game more exciting than it actually was. Because like Corton Sutton, he catches this touchdown. You would have thought it was a Kobe Bryant dunk from 2003 like oh just suck the gravity out of the building like that's what it felt like it was just like it was just a regular <laughs> touchdown dude that's like a good obviously good, good touchdown but like this game was awful really like the only other notable thing to take away from this game is the Broncos quarterback uh, Kareem Jackson he, he should probably be thrown out of the league at this point man because this is the fourth yeah. time this season that he's got a defensive defenseless player penalty And it's been thrown out of two games now. It's kind of getting out of control. It kind of reminds me of Pac-Man Jones back in the day. But, uh, yeah, that's probably the biggest takeaway is that the Broncos do win, and they had to almost decapitate a guy uh, (laughs) to do it. The fall season is in full swing, which means if you're like us, you're busy watching football. You might be so busy you're looking for more convenient meals, ready to eat in just two minutes, and that's where Factor comes in. Factor can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, with chef prepared dietitian dietician-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time and stay on track with a healthy lifestyle. This October, if you get factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle, simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash action pod 50 and use code action network pod 50, that's five zero, to get 50% off. That's code action network pod 50 at factormeals.com slash action pod 50 to get
1: 50% off.
4: All right, now we're going to check in with Patrick Everson with Vegas Insider to see how sportsbooks fare to Las Vegas for week seven.
1: Thanks a lot, Jill. Yeah, it was another interesting day in Las Vegas and not necessarily on the better' side of the betting window. I had one odds maker tell me as the Bills game was unwinding against the Patriots and he was talking about the Kansas City Chiefs game, he's like, we've got tons of money line parlays running to the Chiefs. We are going to need the Chargers in that game really good unless Buffalo doesn't come back and win this game against the Patriots. Buffalo came back, got the lead, did not win the game against the Patriots, though. So that blew up tons of not only money line parlays, but also uh, teasers as well that were running to Buffalo. So that was a big result behind the counter for most books, including BetMGM, which was seeing uh, pretty hefty action on Buffalo. So BetMGM did, did well to that. Several other odds makers noted that they did do well to that. But there's always an exception to the rule. And we had one odds maker here in Vegas, longtime odds maker, said, Believe it or not, we had a lot of money on the dog, on the Patriots in that Buffalo game. He said it wound up being okay with the Bills losing outright. He said, but if the Bills had come back and won but not covered, which is how it was looking, it might shake out near the end there. He said, we would have lost. He said, I just got flooded with dog money. We needed the favorite, which was definitely an unusual situation. But it goes to show that it's not always the same at every book. Yes, the public tends to be on certain teams heavily from week to week to week. But every now and then, there's some variance from uh, from one book to another. And in this case, an odds maker actually would have done pretty poorly if the Bills had managed to win but not cover there. Did okay to the Bills losing, but not as good as some of these other books who were literally raving about this win. Uh, and speaking of raving, let's go to the Ravens, who just whitewashed the Detroit Lions today. Detroit is the public darling now. I mean, this is a team that went into Week 7 over the last 16 regular season games, which is their last 16 games because they didn't make the playoffs. 13 and three straight up, 14 and two against a spread, just absolute scorching hot, an ATM for betters, and got hammered. Just ran into a buzzsaw at Baltimore. That was another really good result behind the counter for most books because, again, the public has definitely been on Detroit, liking Detroit a lot. Probably going to be on them again in week eight. I'll get to that in a little bit here. So, those were a couple of results early that definitely went very much in the book's favor. The Chiefs game, obviously, the public's going to be all over the Chiefs, so the public did well there, but the Chiefs were in Moneyline parlays and teasers that probably evolved or were connected to, I should say, that Bills game. So a lot of, the, as I noted earlier, a lot of the Chiefs uh, Moneyline parlays and teasers got blown up, even though the Chiefs covered and had, had not too much trouble winning against the Chargers in that late window. This night game, it's been really interesting, the Sunday night game between the Eagles and the Dolphins, two really great teams, two very public teams. And there were multiple books saying they got a really good two-way action. Bet MGM was in an interesting spot, seemed heavy to the Eagles on the spread and to the Dolphins on the money line. So perhaps ideally, especially with money line teasers and parlays, probably getting blown up by the time you got to Sunday night or perhaps getting blown up, maybe in the situation that's not unusual. And that's where they need the favorite to win and the underdog to cover. So that may be the position they ended up in there. Monday night, look, you're not going to get people out the 49ers even with that loss last week at Cleveland. And I know earlier on, you know, on Sunday at bed, MGM, most of the money comes in on this game on Monday, but Uh, It was very heavy spread tickets and money, at least percentage wise, very heavy to the 49ers, not hesitating to pull the trigger, even though no Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, perhaps maybe a little bit limited, but it looks like he's going to go. So uh, there's certainly going to be Vikings fans tomorrow night. And bonus, everybody, we get to look ahead to next week because, you know, the NFL stopped for nobody. And obviously the odds are already up for NFL week eight. I think the one thing that's interesting coming out of the gate, it's not the most intriguing game although i believe it is a uh, a primetime game i think in fact it might be the uh, the monday night game between the raiders and the and the lions and that is that the lions after getting decimated by baltimore 38 to 6 and the raiders completely embarrassing loss to a quarterback nobody has ever heard of the lions open seven and this is already on the move i you know on sunday night this went from seven to seven and a half with one odds maker that i spoke with and he termed it One-way traffic on the Lions, and he says, I don't expect this to change, as Detroit is a very public team. And even though they got blown out, uh, so did the Raiders, and the Raiders did so against a much worse team. Everybody agrees that Baltimore is a pretty good outfit. So that's the one gem to to look at. Already some early movement on that game in the Week 8 odds market. Lions from 7 to 7.5 early. Throw it back to you, Jill. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Patrick, and thank you for listening to the Action Network podcast
4: presented by BetMGM. Enjoy Monday Night Football. Keep an eye out for all of our NFL Week 8 podcasts right here on the Action Network.